Welcome to The Next, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we've got some thoughts on, well, I've got some thoughts on Wonder Woman 84, because Fanny was like, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> plus, we've both got our view of the latest Pixar movie, Soul, about a New York City middle school teacher trying to make a life for himself. Wah, wah. No, really, there's a sad trombone. (laughs) Okay, as always, uh, please to rate and review us on... Apple Podcast app, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, or wherever those sorts of things are possible. Please review us. We'd love it. We'd appreciate it. Do it. Um, yeah, so how's it going? How's uh, How are the holidays treating you? We'll do a They're little, fine. We'll do a little banter first. Banter. banter. They're fine. And I do have thoughts on Wonder Woman, even though I only watched five or ten minutes of it. I have lots of thoughts, so don't yeah. worry, people. <laughs> we will get there one way or the, the other. The holidays were fine i mean they were quiet and sad and i didn't get to see my niece and that sucked and (laughs) my sister who i haven't seen in over a year had to sit and listen to people tell her how hard it is that they have to wear a mask um when they visit my niece and my sister nearly ripped all their faces off so (laughs) because she wants nothing more than to be able to see us no matter what so that sucked but we love you, Sid. We'll see you soon. Did you get a favorite? Did you get a favorite gift, or did you give a favorite gift? Or my um, son got me a T-shirt that said uh, "Nothing hurts and everything was beautiful." No, nothing hurt and everything was beautiful, which is one of my favorite Kurt Vonnegut quotes, and also a sticker for my computer that said "Hell is other people," which is another one of my favorite quotes. And those are two things that we talk about. Uh, that we quote to each other a lot. So I liked those. Those were good. Nice. And he's getting an espresso maker so so he can make me coffee. Oh yeah. Ooh, I love it. And plus some bubble tea, uh, pearls or is that a thing that you guys have on hand to make it home or no? Oh yeah. We have it on hand to make it home. (laughs) We make those at home all the time. (laughs) I, um, got myself and my husband, uh, king size bed and uh i've had to as you heard about a lot over the past couple weeks pressure my husband to even go you know along with this crazy dream of ours to have a uh normal size bed for two grown not svelte men and their dog and um (laughs) and the dog and weird plot twist he loves it more than i do and said in fact i don't feel like we deserve this so um there's 2020 in a year for you um I, also what, it's ahead. 2020 we all deserve it's 2020 we all deserve anything that gives us any kind of comfort it's true it's totally true i i bought my parents books and i went over there and sat in their backyard and we shivered and opened gifts and they had read both of them <laughs> which they basically tried oh, they to both be like read my book <laughs> <laughs> They basically tried to be like, well, you know us well. <laughs> I was like, 
talk about womp womp, but it was just, uh, yeah. So I got to now think of a second gift to give them because that was such a disaster. Um, it's hard buying books for like real. What readers. were the books? I'm just um, curious. Overstory, which is a some Pulitzer Prize winning book from a few years ago, that's sort of a fictionalized sort of. Uh, history of trees in this country. It's like a very popular kind of gardening book club, whatever. Incredibly specific. Yeah, and if and there was a book I was going to give your mom, that would be it. And I would have assumed you would. Yeah. And I should have <laughs> thought, I was like, she's had, she had to have read this. And of course she had. Uh, my dad, I got a history book, a sort of sociology book about, um, I forget the name of it, but it's essentially about how there are five distinct sort of political regions in this country and how they've sort of shaped our recent sort of political quandary. Uh, he opened it and said, I've bought this book for five people as gifts. <laughs> uh, oh, well, that is actually kind of cool, though, that he likes it that much. That's yeah. that's cool. And he actually said it was the most important book that you could possibly read right now as an American. I don't remember the name, of course. What's it called? But, uh, I'm going to look it up later. Yeah, do um, look it up because I'm on kind of a listening to some nonfiction stuff kit. Yeah. So. Or, or the next time I'm over there, I will just steal it sitting off their counter, which was where they will have left it. Okay. Um, I won't read a nonfiction book. I will listen to one. but And I don't read paper books, so don't do that. Let your dad give it to somebody who will read it. <laughs> but, yeah. It is funny. I did open both those books kind of before I wrapped them, and the font in paper books. It's wow, the worst. <laughs> very tiny. And I'm like, am I that blind? Yes, but also, is it too small? Yes. No, um, it's so small. Yeah. All right. Should we get into Soul? Sure. Let's get into Soul. Get into I got soul. soul. How about you? I got Soul. <laughs> Uh, right. So in this Pixar movie, Jamie Foxx provides the character, uh, the voice for the main character. Uh, it's Pixar's first, uh, feature to star a black man character star, a uh, feature of black man character. Um, he plays Joe, a high school, no, middle school band teacher and jazz musician who ends up in an unusual situation that forces him to reevaluate his life priorities. I'm being a bit vague here because spoilers are pretty much how this movie operates. Uh, the rest of the voice cast includes Cena Fey, Angela Bassett, Graham Norton, and other people you've heard of. Uh, it's directed by the team of Pete Doctor, who made Inside Out and Up, and first-timer Kemp Powers, who is actually black. Uh, Pixar trying to actually, you know, get the talent behind the, the stories it's trying to tell. Uh, I wanted to do non-spoilers because, as, as I said, this uh, really does hinge on kind of plot. I know there are a lot of people that love every single Pixar experience and don't want to go and spoiled. Um, so we're just going to go quickly. What did you think of this without spoilers? It, it, okay. It's tough. So uh, basic, should we watch this? What did we yeah. think? quick yeah. overview uh yes you should watch this um give it 20 minutes and go with it <laughs> i did enjoy it I, I thought it was a slightly slow to start uh but really enjoyed it yeah i'm kind of the same i feel like it I had a funny journey with this movie that I can talk about without going into spoilers. It started off and I wasn't loving it. And then I got into it more in the middle. And then I think the end kind of in the same way that up does, doesn't really kind of hang together. Um, 
it yeah it's hard to nail an ending like coco yeah it's it's not top tier pixar it is solidly middle tier um with a lot of really delightful wonderful sequences which i think we'll talk about more in spoilers um that make it worth watching um and you know if this were a live action movie I'd still really enjoy it. It'd be a really like delightful mainstream movie. It's hard for them to go wrong um, in any case, but right. uh, I think maybe my, my expectations might've been a little high. Um, all right. We're going into spoilers. Um, we're going to say one sat trombone, uh, two barbershop chairs, uh, three nondescript weird afterlife blobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So, I got stuff. I do. I got okay. something to say. Uh, it, Imagine. <laughs> That's why we have this podcast. Exactly. What do you have to say, Justin? Uh, so it's funny. I tweeted uh, a couple weeks ago, a week ago, probably a week ago. Uh, somebody needs to do a deep dive marketing. And this is before I saw the movie into soul, um, into the marketing of soul. Like, is this a movie about a black lead character? It's like Pixar's first kind of movie with that. Or is this a movie about a bunch of nondescript white afterlife blobs? Because the marketing was so schizophrenic in the way they played it up. And it, that sort of hedging their bets, I think really is what keeps this from moving into greatness. Um, it is the scenes for me in real life. Um, even though they do, there's a lot of body swapping stuff that happens. The scenes with him and his family, the scenes at the barbershop, um, to, and the scenes of him playing music are the best scenes in the movie. Pretty much all of the afterlife stuff to me was like, pick it's like pixar committee forced all of that on on the story i don't know whether that was true or whether it was just sort of like how it evolved but it felt very familiar in a way that inside out sort of felt familiar to me and not that exciting it even looked Uh, the same looked the same i would much rather have watched just this story about a jazz musician figuring out his life um a, a lot of uh sort of Critics and especially sort of critics of color have talked about why Tina Fey is the soul that he's teaching. Why couldn't that have been a, you know, a black actor playing that role? Um, it it's it's does feel a little like hokey pokey. Like I nominate Flynn, Regina King. Uh, right, would have been great. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. Um, <laughs> like some, I nominate some, Regina King. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, it, and, and I don't want to d- diminish the great sort of leap forward in animation in sort of animating people in this. I feel like I Pixar has never been great about animating people and getting you to care about their Okay. Um, but this did a really nice job of that. And I wanted more of that. I did actually like the cat um, in the real world was very adorable. Oh, I'm a sucker for a cat. Um, but again, could have, yeah, I don't know. There's something off about it. It just feels it feels tentative, a lot of this movie. Yeah, um, I feel like it didn't go ahead and just pick a point of view and go with it. They had right. uh, a few things that they really nailed. Like you said, the barbershop, they nailed that. The uh, relationship with his family, they super nailed that. Um, the Mambi Pambio teaching is your actual, you know, spark. We all knew that was going to be the point from the beginning um and my main quibble was 
because this was a kids movie, maybe like you said, done by Pixar committee, they couldn't go with the ending. I think they should have gone ahead and gone with, which was letting him die, letting him go. You learned the lesson and it's enough to learn the lesson. You don't have to go back to, to earth and try again. You know, it, you send somebody else on and, and, Pixar has that wonderful, you know, they they have this great talent of really touching that part of what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a teacher, what it means to impart love and joy and the true meaning of life and existence. And sometimes, thank you, The Good Place, that is knowing that it ends. Thank you. The Buffy musical, knowing that it ends is what makes it so important and that doesn't always mean you get to go back and do it again and right. it would have been okay if he learned his lesson and then got to go on to the afterlife that would have been that could have been enough and i loved that and then when they had to make it okay for kids and i get why you have to you know that's a hard, that's a huge lesson for kids and it would have been hard to watch that he didn't get to go back and I understand why they did it. Right. And I, I do not fault them for it because I don't want to hold a sobbing eight-year-old and explain that to them. But I right. I wish they had just said, this is kind of an adult Pixar movie. And they went with that ending because that was, that was where I cried. That was where it was touching to me of, I'm handing you my knowledge and I'm sending you through the portal to live a life better than the one I chose to live. Right. And, and again, if you'd cast a, a, a black sort of supporting character instead of Tina Fey, and you it became really a little more about that character's story living on, right. it, they couldn't have done that with Tina Fey. It would have been like, oh, okay, no. so he dies to sacrifice his life, you know, learning For lessons Tina to Fey, support right. this. And that would have been extra problematic. So I get why they didn't do that, but don't cast Tina Fey and you've. Yeah, exactly. And Um, I'm sure Tina Fey would have been fine with it. You know, she would have been like, go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What else? I I really. Yeah, go ahead. I I, I mean, I loved it. I had very early quibbles with. uh, I work in in education, so I know things like. They wouldn't just come up and say, hey, you got a full-time job because you'd have to apply for that job. And, and, and that they, made me laugh because it was like during class, she pulled it out and and all that. All of that fixed that <laughs> so easily with just a line of, I applied for it, but I didn't really want it. They could have fixed right. that so easily. And there were a few like, yeah. oh, you've, at, you are rich people who actually don't understand how public education works moments that were, you know, there's this the whole thing where they kept talking sort of about his romance, but they never went into it, which was a little weird. Like the, right. the he loved Lisa, yeah. but they didn't go there. Um, I did. Yeah. I did like the banter between the cat and you know the cat character of, you know, Jamie Foxx as the cat and Tina Fey as himself in the body. I, I thought that was quite winning. Right. Uh, this is not a bad movie. I just think it could have been a profound movie the way Coco was profound if they had managed to make a yeah. few braver decisions. That's all. I just don't think it was a super brave movie. Yeah. And I, and think I wonder that- how much. I mean, 
Go ahead. But I just think that they kind of failed. I wish they had been braver for a movie that was the like the you know the gate opening of we're finally making a movie with a black main character and for this community. And I wish that they had just nailed it and gone ahead and made some, some scarier decisions. That's all. Well, and also like, so (laughs) the more I talk about this movie, the more it's going to piss me off a little bit. Like why is all, why are the, all the afterlights afterlife bureaucrats, British and or New Zealand? Like what, like are there no, black like bosses there like I, I found that to be a very strange decision or even american bosses there right um also i mean well if it's covid sure new zealand is winning so maybe that's a good call. yeah that's fair um, <laughs> but um one thing that did rankle me was when they were talking about 22 Tina Fey's characters uh, failed mentors and they were talking about like Gandhi and right. you know Muhammad Ali shows up but he's literally the only black character yep. that shows up as sort of this historical mentor or leader it's again it's like there was this weird hesitancy, hesitancy. Yeah. Like they just I would have very to. much liked to have seen Malcolm, Malcolm X get right at her oh or God. Rosa Parks or totally. you know, I mean if you're gonna slam Mother Teresa which was hilarious yeah. and, I, and that was a good bit and it was funny but it really would have been okay to say you know to have the same jokes you know and to yeah. to treat that in a respectful and yet funny way you know and again if it wasn't tina fey if it was i think regina king just because she's you know tiffany haddish is such a personality and i get why that would be the go-to but i think regina king is sort of more the tina fey of you know just she's more of a a straight man if you will you know um and she was who i went to when i thought about this but if you had a Regina King, then you wouldn't feel like, oh, but we're lobbing these tre- these jokes at Tina Fey, you know, and you get permission yeah. to be a little bit more edgy. And again, they made all the safe decisions. Yeah, all the safe decisions, and it's you know, it's and it's a safe I movie. Saw right before you know, yeah, right before COVID happened, I saw Onward really bland um i'm glad that they did this this is a better movie um so i appreciate the movie as a movie it's just could have been better um it's a very like nice but also not i don't know not necessary and we need a new end (laughs) i want to knock the yeah the nice um could have been better i agree Um, with you yeah a very solid nice, but yeah. a disappointing nice because it really should have been, you know, incredible. Also, it deserved to be of those blobs in the afterlife. Um, why they all got to be white? Why are those blobs white? Like, I don't know. Can we, or can we get a strangely Native American coyoteness? Mm-hmm. You know, it was like okay, so have every culture. Yeah, you know, I. Something very anyway. weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we move into we did what you saw there? Sure. Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, let's. Speaking of movies that should have completely nailed it and came very close, I did finally watch Queen and Slim. I oh, know nice. that we. Uh, 
uh, it took me, I started it probably two or three weeks ago and I, lo- I uh, watched the last 30 minutes last week at some point. And I kind of, it kind of went by the wayside. Just one of those things where I watched it in, in two pieces, so it didn't really fit on the podcast anywhere. But now that we're talking about soul and representation and... I really liked this movie <laughs> and I think I liked it a lot nice. more uh, because of the watching it at a, at a, not a repose, but you know, with, with a lot of time from when it got released. And so my expectations were kind of nil. It was like, Oh yeah, I kind of wanted to see that. Um, this is not a perfect movie by any means. It is uh it, I think it makes some very brave decisions. It uh, certainly is full of characters who are very conflicted. Both main actors are so good. Uh, Jody Turner-Smith is just, I just really like her so much. And uh, I think yeah, she's, she's great. She's great. Um, and, you know, Kalula, I can't remember, Kalula, I always mess his name up. Um, and I apologize, Daniel, and I will Daniel learn, Tula. and Parker has taught me many times. But uh, he is such an understated actor. He sits in his That's characters really and is so natural. And I, I thought he was great in this. And it had, I went and looked at several articles that really broke apart some of the minutia of what Issa Rae and the director decided to do here and how it's a sort of a reverse uh, underground railroad that's being told. They, they start in Baltimore, I believe, which is where they, the, where the underground railroad would like spit you out and send you to Canada. And, and the, and it goes backwards into Georgia. And uh, anyway, I, I thought this was really, really good. And I, very much enjoyed it and I wanted to give it a shout out even though I watched it a couple weeks ago because I had forgotten to mention it and it is it's on I think HBO right now so it's worth checking out if you missed it in the theaters oh nice Uh, cool it's it's good I I will enjoy it um on January 12th, I expect to be able to read a book again because Angie Thomas's new book, Concrete Rose, which is the uh origin story of Maverick, who is the father of the main uh character in the hate you give will be releasing and i i love angie uh, thomas's narrative and i'm excited to read that angie thomas recently i want to give her a shout out she her grandfather had bought a house in mississippi when they when uh her mother was a small child and they still owned it and angie thomas has uh gone and renovated it and is donating it donating it to a single mom who will own it and uh, giving back to her community that way. And I think that's really awesome. So Angie Thomas walking the walk that she talks. And I think that's really cool. And I, I liked watching. That was a fun Twitter thread to follow. If you want to feel a little good about humanity, go, go seek out Angie Thomas. She Uh, talks about her, the the ghost bay in her current house that uh, knocks on her door. And (laughs) she tells lots of things about her mother (laughs) and this wonderful house story. Um, I watched this nice. week's The Stand, and I have feelings. Um, I know that other people have feelings so is this about this as well. Two? This is episode two, yes. Um, I am very happy with the fact that it seems like 
the creators of this miniseries took a look at the book and said, wow, that's a lot of straight white guys. <laughs> and maybe we shouldn't have so many straight white guys as our lead characters. And uh, they have been changing casting where they can. I think that the person that's playing Larry Underwood is very good. He ha also happens to be black, which the internet is a little upset about, which is gross. Uh, I read many comments that yeah. said, well, Larry's supposed to be a pop, pop star. He can't be black. He's not black. First off, Larry's not a pop star. Let's, let's get that straight. He's like a Neil Young rock and roll type of guy. Secondly, right. so what? <laughs> um, and I pop think the actor's doing a great job. Black. There are many of them. Yeah, yeah, rock stars can be black too. So exactly. either way. I've seen a few. I've yeah, it, it's happened. <laughs> I'm sure that Lenny Kravitz would be very surprised to learn that he can no longer be a rock star. <laughs> Sorry, right, right. sucks for you, Lenny. <laughs> so anyway, so you're still uh, liking it, generally. Yes, they have also changed some male characters to female characters, and uh, where possible, and with you know without any sort of prejudice to excuse the pun completely unintended just messed with the casting which i uh, you know i think is great um yes i i think they're doing a very good job now my thing here is that i i have read this book at least once a year since i was 12 years old i am completely entrenched in this material i understand the source material to a point that's borders on scary probably <laughs> and a little bit obsessive so the quibbles that i have heard i don't really understand because i un i i am so familiar with the text that to me i am able to follow it it kind of does it does flash forwards and flashbacks and to me, I think that's very smart and kind of keeps you engaged. And uh, I don't know, I found it interesting. Other people say that it's sort of fragmented and they don't understand which timeline is what, which I also get. Um, but I thought it was in well done just in that it sort of gave you a snippet of this person's going to be okay and watch you don't have to worry so much about is this character going to end up dying or being a main character. You, you know, okay, they end up at the end. So let me not worry about right. that and watch watch their progression. Um, I think that uh, Alexander Skarsgård is nailing this performance as Randall Flagg. I think he very much understands the dark seduction and sensuality of the Randall flag. Um, I, I am a little worried about Amber Heard being able to handle the complexity of Nadine Cross because she is such, you know, she wants to be good, but is so drawn to bad in a very, very id way, not in a, Oh, this is seductive because it's money way, but in a, this is what my, the core of my being is telling me to do. And I don't trust Amber Heard to have the complexity to convey that. Um, 
I think He's Owen Teague is doing a fabulous dra- job as Harold Lauder. Um, Marsden, he's always a passable actor. I'm I'm still concerned about Greg Kinnear showing up and ruining one of my favorite characters. But I oh, I'm God. enjoying yeah, this. Yeah, I have a Greg Kinnear problem. Yeah, I have a huge Greg Kinnear problem, and I love Glenn Bateman, the character. He's the sociology professor so much that I'm just so worried about him ruining it. But I'm so happy with Larry Underwood, Mm -hmm. and I know that I have a problem here separating my love for this material and being able to sit in a production that doesn't have Jamie Sheridan as Randall Flagg with a mullet. But I really do think they're doing a good job, and I'm very much enjoying it. It's for me. It may not be for everyone else, and the quibbles may not, you know, may be overpowering for some people, as the puking may be as well. But I am very much enjoying this show. <laughs> I did not nice. enjoy a movie that when you I've had some vaccine, and I will try it. Exactly. I am not enjoying Happy Happy Joy Joy that I watched because you said it was necessary. Yeah, it it's necessary. It, it it's rough. It was rough. It was fascinating though to right? watch all yeah. of these creatives talk and to you know to meet the actual Ren. <laughs> Sorry, the actual Stimpy. Right. That yeah. voice. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> She was stimpy. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, it yeah, was. If you like that show. Yeah, it was a rough set. Um, it was, it was mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I have a next before I get onto the two books that I listened to. There's a match to, because I have CBS all access to watch the stand and I was not willing to spring for $10 a month instead of $6 a month. I now have ads. I hate ads. I nix all ads just in general. But this ad in particular, which is a match.com ad, and it's about Satan meeting 2020. Oh, you can just call me 2020. And them falling in love for the year. I hate this ad. I mean, it's sort of a funny premise. It makes me hate when you tell it. Yeah, when I tell it, it's funny because... I am charming and witting and winning and the best. This ad <laughs> borders on offensive and I hate it. So I nix that ad. Uh, all uh, I did listen period, <laughs> because of we are now at the point where I can see the end of this presidency. I am now able to listen to a couple of books that I wanted to listen to before, but I knew would just make me angry and despondent and upset about the fact that this man was our president. And so I finally listened too much and uh, to too much and not enough by Mary Trump, uh, who is uh, Donald Trump's niece who always just calls him Donald. And it cracks me up uh, about obviously Donald Trump and the family and the psychosis involved there. She is also a, uh, she has a PhD in psychiatry and she nails him. And this is a fun listen. It's very meaty and it's, it's pretty well written. Uh, fun to listen to too, because yeah, that, that there are some truly, does she read it? Yeah, she does read it. And there are some infuriating facts. Her, uh, brother, she had an older brother who had a very sick child when she and the brother contested the will because they were being screwed out of uh, their father's portion 
of the grandfather's uh, will. They said, okay, fine. And they canceled. And the, the son was so sick that he literally had round the clock care in his nursery. And he was like nine months old. They canceled the health insurance on this child to make sure that they oh my God. to make them settle for getting no money. We'll give you back your health insurance if you wow. sign this paper that says you don't get 20% of your grandfather's estate that you were entitled to. A nine-month-old child. Uh, monsters, yes. Monsters. Uh, further uh, proving that they're all monsters and the Kushners are monsters. Uh, American Oligarchs by Andrea Bernstein is basically about the family history of both the Trumps and the Kushners. And if you ever thought that the Kushners weren't as bad as the Trumps, you should listen to this book because they are. Everybody's terrible. The has, world is a garbage fire. Been in the news a lot. Oh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Huh. Anyway, so I'm listening to those things, and at least we are, what, 20, 22 days off from hopefully seeing the back end of this guy. I think we're, I think we're close, certainly. Fingers crossed. Yep. Um, What'd you do? So I saw, I did, I saw Wonder Woman 84. Uh, so this is a little movie you might have been hearing some uh, discourse about on them old internets. Um, I, so here's my thing about Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max. Uh, it, it's not great. It's kind of a bad movie. I didn't think the first one was all that great anyways. So I, I wasn't so let down by it. Um, it's a little messier, certainly. Um, but I have to say I found Pedro Pascal is like a Trumpy kind of weird, you know, figure trying to sort of grant magical wishes to people. And, uh, Kristen Wiig is cheetah sort of, you know, dealing very awkwardly with, uh, sort of, you know, female empowerment and what that means and how that's portrayed and how that's perceived. I thought it was way more interesting than the first movie. Like I was not bored by this movie for a, well, I'm going to say for a second, cause it, it's a little long. It's like two and a half hours. Um, but there, it, it reminds me of the worst, like eighties superhero movies, like Superman three, uh, maybe like, I don't know, Supergirl ones that were real train wrecks that tried something kind of interesting, but were just kind of bad movies. Um, but I, I guess I'll take that over the first one, which was just sort of Zack Snyder light. I don't know. That's how I felt about the first Wonder Woman. Um, so I didn't, I didn't hate this movie as much as everybody else does. Um, I, I will say there's, and I know you have thoughts about this. There's a lot of discourse about, um, I'm going to go into spoilers here. It's Wonder Woman, whatever. Uh, well, I'll be careful about my spoilers. Um, there is a body swap story here that is, causing a lot of reactions about like, Oh, it's, um, you know, is this con- like, was there consent? And what's the, is this, rape? is there consent? There's no question. <laughs> Sorry. It's, I, I, it's not a great plot point. Certainly. Um, I think they just didn't address any of it. It is such a ridiculous okay. point. Um, that it, to that me, doesn't I, matter. I, it doesn't matter if it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if it's not addressed. It's, that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a comic book. It doesn't. What matters, you know, if we are actually going to the point where we believe victims and this becomes important, 
Yeah. We can't dismiss it. I'm sorry. That's a big fucking deal. It's, uh, this, it's a big context, fucking deal. <laughs> in this context, it did not bother me at all. And I think mostly it was just a ridiculously stupid plot point that nobody bothered to think two seconds about. Well, then that's, that's a, a problem. That's a problem, certainly. I agree with that. Um, it, it's getting a, That is getting a little more heat than I think it actually deserves in this movie. That's my dick on it. Um, but it's just, that's my problem is that's we're going to write everything off of, oh, they didn't think about it. Oh, it's a comic book movie. Oh, it's... I, I, I don't give quarter to that anymore. I, I don't. And it's, it's, a, it's a frightening trend that we are starting to make, and, and I'm sorry if I'm going too spoiler here, but I, that we are starting to make women as perpetrators of sexual assault as the new let's talk about this, you know, edgy way of dealing with the back end of Me Too. So we've swung comp- the, the pendulum completely from let's blame victims or not believe them or slut shame them into oblivion or change their narratives in the public eye to so that they aren't believed to let's figure let's make it interesting that they are the perpetrators of sexual assault so we've gone from victims who are blamed for being victims to perpetrators who it's written off as that's interesting, and I, I, mm. I will say though that it's both her and Steve Trevor who commit the assault. I understand. You want to be technical about this? I, I, it is I both do of understand them. that. Her, I, yeah. I get that. I, I yeah. am looping another very popular show into this narrative as well. I, I understand that I Steve different. Trevor I agree with is you also involved one. in this. Yeah, but she makes the wish. Yeah, she. You know, it's it's. She initiates the way that it goes into. It would not happen were it not for Diana. The thing, the thing that frustrated me about that that subplot is that there are these characters that are fighting for justice and right, and they're never like, "Where is this other person that is now not (laughs) conscious?" Like, and again, to me, it's almost like a more yeah. Some of the things we talked about with Soul, it would have so easily been, you could have dealt with this in three or four lines of dialogue and right. not made it and not had this problem if you'd cared for two seconds right. to and think about also, what you were doing. Right. And it's they didn't. Even, because the movie is about, from the very beginning, with her sort of cheating in the very Amazonian, like, whatever, Olympics, um, taking shortcuts to get what you want. And obviously that's a very Trumpy theme that they're exploring. And they just kind of have her realize that wishing her dead lover back is, we are going full spoilers here, but it's Wonder Woman. Who cares? Um, You, right. Like, but not really what the consequences of that were, which to me are more like in the context of this movie, like where is this person? And like also, this is not possible, like in a world that you're fighting for. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And you get no quarter from me for not thinking of that, for not thinking right. about your plot right. for more than 30 seconds and realizing, for me, that's an even bigger failing to be like, I agree eh, with that. it's just yeah. so silly. No, it's not just so silly. And you should have cared enough about your 
silly comic book that you are claiming means so much to so many little girls to give a shit yeah. about this. And that's a big deal. And it's I a big agree deal. That, that was a problem throughout the movie was, I don't think anything was very well thought out as far as like right. the logic of what, what does it mean to sort of wish for something and take a shortcut and uh, you know, make a Faustian bargain. It just constantly kind of raised that stuff. And even with um, Kristen Wiig's cheetah character, it just doesn't, it's not really interested in the sort of sac, like the, the, not the sacrifices, but the, you know, blood drawn that these wishes sort of ask for. It's not really interested in that. Um, Except in the case of Pedro, Pedro Pascal, which I think is, maybe a huge problem, right? Like that, that's like he, you didn't make it to the end, but at the end he sort of uh, realizes he's sacrificing his fatherly duties uh, right. to, to have power. And it's like, Oh, I read lots of spoilers. We're okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, I would say it's dumb and problematic. I guess this is where I'm coming down on it. Um, <laughs> the uh, dumb seem to outweigh the problematic for you. Yeah. Um, and for me, the problematic outweighs the dumb. And I, I sort of enjoyed it in its own terrible, weird way. Um, anyways, uh, moving on from one from 184. If you liked the first one, you'll hate this one, apparently. Uh, if you were like, meh, on the first one, you may be like, eh, meh, but like, eh, they tried something. <laughs> um... Also, do you know about the end credits? Did you? Nope. Um, tell me. Okay, I'm going to tell you spoilers. Spoilers, go if you don't want to hear it. One, uh, Invisible Jet. Two, uh, Bizarre Personality Erasure. Uh, three, uh, That Lasso Can Do Everything. Um, at the very end of this movie, uh, there's armor that Wonder Woman dons in the movie, and it's sort of Artemis, who's this famous, uh, you know, Amazonian warrior or whatever. And at the very end, you see someone in a hood walking down a street and you think it's probably Wonder Woman, but you don't know. And she stops a, a pillar or something from falling on a child and pushes it up. And the woman says, Oh my God, thank you for saving my child. And she turns around. It is Linda Carter. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. That's sweet. <laughs> As Artemis, I was like, eh, that was kind of cute. Dave was like, that was the best part of the movie. He loved it. it oh, that's sad. really sweet. Um, yeah. And so, For every little girl that A, has a picture that I'm never showing you, so don't even ask, and it's definitely knowing, never going on on, uh, on social media, and mom, stay the fuck out of this. For every um, little girl that has yeah, a seven-year-old yeah. picture of me and my underoos, doing the Wonder Woman pose in front of the Christmas tree. And yeah, it exists. You're never seeing it. Uh, No, you're never seeing it. (laughs) No, you're not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And used to sit on a chair in the middle of the living room in my invisible jet. I want, I, I love the Linda Carter. That's wonderful. (laughs) And you're never seeing the picture. So get over it. This movie was very much sort of um, like trying to play in that that lane. Clearly, it was all right. the '80s tacky ridiculousness. Um, but yeah, they could have been a little more thoughtful about it. Anyways, uh, Wolfwalkers. This is on Apple TV. It is the animation studio. I forget their name, but they did a Song of the Sea and another one that got a lot of attention a few years back. Um, it's 2D animation. It is an, I believe, an Irish company um 
This is a fanny. This is so up your alley. I really want you to watch this at some point. You know, except for the whole animation thing. Hashtag butt stuff. I mean, come on. This is going to be. I'm sure your your crew, your your animation crew. I knew you were going to throw them in. <laughs> I mean, do they know about this movie? No. Um, yeah. This is. Fantastic. I mean, they probably do. Yeah, it is. Uh, just kind of a somewhat familiar sort of fairy tale about kind of essentially wolf people um, in a, in a village. And there's a young girl who sort of uh, discovers them, but they're not as bad as you think. Uh, Liam Neeson plays the father in this. And it's like the perfect Liam Neeson role. Like, like finally just like animation. Apparently all he needed to do is like play the like grumpy father. And he's wonderful in it. Um, This is great. I love this movie. It is made me cry at the end. Uh, it's so it's funny seeing 2D animation and at first it feels kind of underwhelming. Um, and you're just like, what? Why is this 2D? Like, I don't know. I thought I wanted to love 2D animation, but this is kind of boring to look at. And then it draws you in by the end. Just sort of, you have to stick with it and sort of watch. Um, just the way they set up shots are very kind of reminiscent of like mid- medieval uh sort of stained glass figures. It's beautiful. It's a really great movie. I love it. Um, it's getting a lot of attention and I'm happy about that. It's on Apple TV, Wolfwalkers. Midnight Sky. <sighs> this is on Netflix. This is George Clooney's, I don't know, whatever, like second or third, fourth uh, directorial movie. How many movies has he made? I don't even know. Um, a lot. <laughs> this is... <sighs> Beautifully made. He is a good technician. Um, like many actors turned directors, John Favreau, I'm looking at you. Um, it, I have so many problems with It's that. so weirdly boring, so derivative of a million other things. Um, this is sort of, um, you know, it's an apocalypse story uh, where somebody's kind of in the Antarctic trying to sort of figure out how to survive this thing. But then there's... Uh, you know, space, uh, basically a ship that's the last hope for humanity. You've seen all of this stuff before. The actors are all good, but the characters don't really add up to much. Your boy's in it, uh, Kyle Chandler, uh, doing his best. Uh, but it's it's not a good movie. I About three quarters of the way through, I was a little tired and uh, thought, I'm just going to look at the wiki page, and I'm so glad I did that because then i turned the movie off and was like nope uh, that's not worth all this time um skip it this is i would say this is should have been way better kingmaker is a documentary on uh amazon prime about imelda marcos um it is fucking fascinating you need to, I see started it. to watch this <laughs> oh it's so good um i i remember hearing about Imelda marcos and shoes and was very just like you know, oh, she sounds crazy. Um, it is great. I highly recommend this. She has been completely into um, politics in the Philippines recently. I don't know if you've heard, but like the guy that's in charge there right now is like this crazy Trumpy um, authoritarian. And basically, this movie doesn't frame her as being responsible for all of it, but she's sort of always in the shadows. She is deeply fucking crazy and deluded you see her constantly kind of like saying she's here for the people and they show clips of her handing out bills to like poor orphans in the street and then she's kind of like constantly like Mm. 
shoving aside people that are, Ugh. you know, bringing her coffee. It's, she's it's it's horrifying, but it's also so much like the model of Trump and these sort of soft authoritarians, whatever that is. Like it's hundred percent like just the situation we're in. So it's really like good at drawing those conclusions without being too uh, over the top about it. It's great. Kingmaker on Amazon prime. Also on Amazon prime is the fabulous Alan Carr. Do you know who Alan Carr is? God, the name is familiar, but I couldn't. This is the Dave special. He was like, I yeah, want, it sounds like a Dave special. <laughs> I want you to watch this. It is about Alan Carr, who is a gay, overweight um, producer in the 1970s who made Grease. Uh, he made um, Can't Stop the Music. But then he also like produced uh, like The Deer Hunter. He was one of the producers. He's like this weird, kind of funny, behind-the-scenes Hollywood guy uh, who just sort of was very... Uh, flamboyant and very out and very like coked up and made absolute junk, but also some interesting stuff and clearly was sort of a force to be reckoned with and didn't really kind of have, I don't know, just the confidence or the support system around him to really do anything interesting with it. Um, it's really fascinating. It's just sort of, I love these movies about sort of the real lost Hollywood. And this is hundred percent what it is. Um, it's, you kind of watch this and think he was probably a monster. And a few people say like, Oh yeah, he could be a total monster, but he's also kind of wonderful. A lot of people, Lorna Loft, um, like um, what's her name from uh, Anne Margaret from Tommy. Like he discovered all of these actors and just really like gave them huge opportunities. And it's just sort of forgotten. And it, it's interesting watching how like Greece was so fucking gay. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And can't stop the music was like, you know, I owned that soundtrack, even though my parents wouldn't let me see it. It's the gayest thing ever. And it was kind of funny, just like, oh, this is important art to me as a kid that I didn't even... It's garbage, and we all know it's garbage, but it sort of also meant something to me. So, fabulous Alan Carr, Amazon Prime. Watch it. It's interesting. And fun. Hey. Yeah. And good animation. <laughs> There's, like, little animated sort of bio stuff with him wearing, like, caftans and, like, side-eyeing people. So... You know, that's worth it. <laughs> gotcha. Where can they tell us about all this stuff? You can find us on Facebook if you search for the next podcast. And you can tell us which one. Is it silly or is it offensive or is it both on World, on Wonder Woman? But Please you can just Wonder search Woman. for the next podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can send us an email. We do Look for those. I actually looked for that recently. That's emotionandnix at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at the Next Podcast. And on Twitter, I am at Fanny V. Darling. And I'm at Justin Hartung making all the dumb jokes. Lots of dumb jokes, you guys. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> uh, we will see you next time. We might do disappointments. We, I mean, this year has been so disappointing that who knows if Do we need to say more? To I know. <laughs> I don't know. This whole year, maybe we should just stay positive. As much as <laughs> Disappointments, 2020, period. Exactly, period, <laughs> the end. The end of the podcast. All right, see you next week. <laughs> Bye.